You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kibalevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. All right. So we're going to be starting today. Uh, it is uh, Rosh Chodesh is ending. It's um, Thursday evening. Uh, at the end of the class today, we'll discuss about tomorrow. But right now, we're going to be speaking about the Mishnah Bura in the Hilchos Pesach. You can see up on the screen, we talked yesterday about the uh, the fact that Chazal made a takona not to do melacha on Erev Pesach after Chatzos. And the reason was, was because at the time of the Beis Hamikdash, this was a Yom Tov for Klau Yisrael. Erev Pesach is almost Pesach in a way, but especially since Korbanos were being brought. The schus of being able to go to the Beis Hamikdash, to eat the kochim that night, to be part of the experience. It's the day you're bringing a carbon. It's a yomta for you. You shouldn't be doing melocha. However, as we said, it's, it really depends. You're allowed to turn on a light. You're allowed to do a melocha that doesn't take a lot of time. Chazal were more interested in making sure that your brain stayed focused. They weren't trying to create a new Yomtev to stop you from getting to Yerushalayim or stop you from doing Malocha. It was don't go out and make money today. Don't get involved in the type of work that will force you uh, by definition because of the type of work it is that is your, your mind is going to be not focused on the fact that there's a carbon. Now, even though there's no Beis HaMikdosh, the Isser Malocha is still there. The Takana is still there. I want to read one little piece of the um, the Mishnabura first with you before we get to Sif Gimel. And if you take a look here, it's in uh, Sif Katan Zion in the Mishnabura. And he says here, you can see where I have the cursor uh, in Sif Katan Zion. Whatever you're allowed to do on Cholamoed, you go and Dover Ha'ovid. Something that if you don't do it, you're going to have a loss. Osha osa meisik hediot, or what you're doing is so non-professional. Vilo meisa umen, v'yesh botzarachamoed. You need it for to, to have. You need it for yomtiv itself. V'kiyotze b'mishard dvar mutar b'chaloshal moed, because chalamoed. We know there are. There's a whole mesecta called moed katan dedicated to it. And to indicate what things you can and can't do on Cholamoed. If you're allowed to do it on Cholamoed, you can definitely do it on, uh, on Erev Pesach. And Koshke, and he says, Pesach, Achar Chatzos. So re- recognize we are talking about an Isur. We are talking about something that is a Durabonon Isur, but it's the type of thing that, uh. Rabbi, Rabbi, we couldn't hear you. We can hear you for a minute. Uh, okay. It, it could be, I think part of the problem is the bandwidth. I think that with the, um, with, I read today in the New York Times, uh, and let's give the New York Times and all the, uh, media outlets credit for providing free, uh, information and not putting up their firewalls. But I read in New York Times that a lot of, uh, because of so many people are doing exactly what we're doing, the bandwidths are being uh, stressed 
And I'm not a big enough a maven to know how to 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 be mako. So there is going to be some glitches going on, and that's just the nature of the beast. Okay, let's now go uh, to Sif Gimel. And as you can see, I'm go I'm taking it upstairs here to Sif Gimel. Kodem Chatzos. That's after Chatzos. What about before Chatzos? Well. Klal Yisrael isn't always one unit. People have one way of thinking, form communities. People have a different way of thinking, form a different community. And the shitas of Klal Yisrael aren't always, we're never going to be exactly the same. So communities arose in Klal Yisrael that felt that this idea of not doing melacha is something that we should start from the time the sun rises. No melacha on Erev Pesach at all. Now, even in those places we're going to see, they made some exceptions. But it wasn't just until Chatzos. It wasn't just after Chatzos. It was even before Chatzos. And those people that had that minag, the Mishnah tells us, Kodem Chatzos, and this is the Shulchan Aruch quoting the Mishnah, If there is a minig in this community to do it, we do not get involved and say they're doing something wrong. We understand their perspective. Things are, it's only after Katsos that you need to collapse your work. But at the same time, But if there's a place that has a minig not to do, then that is a good minig as well. And they should keep that minig. And if you're from that town, don't kvetch about it. <laughs> you're going to have to live with the chumrah of that minig. Because both minhagim have a good basis. Now, the Ramah writes something here, which other Ashkenazim disagree with, including his own student, <laughs> Rav Mordechai Yafa, the Lavush. The Ramah writes, Didan, we Ashkenazim are Malkam Shenogu We're like those communities in Eretz Yisrael that arose in the time of the Mishnah, and we've adopted that mentality. The whole day of Erev Pesach is a holy day. From the time the sun goes up, we don't get involved in work or doing things that take a long time. That's the way we are in Ashkenaz. We're going to see. However, the Ramah says, gemuros. We've only accepted it for real work, not just fixing a button or straightening something out or combing something out, something that really takes a lot of work. We have accepted not to do it on Erev Pesach. The other Malochos, even among the Ashkenazim, there is no Minag, if it's something that's easy to be done, but there are communities. He says that we've, we're like those people in Eretz Yisrael that don't do, uh, that don't do Malocha. Okay. On this, I just want to show you what I mentioned before. Um, He says here that um, when does this minic start? This minic starts sh- first. Shalula asos the minic not to do malacha sifkaton yud aleph minates. That's when it starts. So at night you can do malacha even after alos hashachar, but once the sun comes up, that's where they have the minig. Now here's important words here from the Mishnah Bura. Okay, somebody's got their mic on and it's uh <laughs> it's whistling. 
ואפילו ביניהם אחריהם, עד סוף כל הדורוס, אין רשויין ולעסוס. Look at that. Children that are born in this community, extending, who knows, from all time, have to follow the custom that their great, great, 20 generations before set up. Mishum al titosh torasimecha. That's the way we do it here. Rabbi Taitz will be very happy with this statement. V'yafilu hatara ein mo'il b'zeh. Now, normally, you can be matir and eder. I told to you that Rav Haidem and Paskind, uh, that people who fast on their yurt site during Corona time should be matir neder. I didn't. <laughs> But he said you should be matir neder. Now, I would then have to go to three people. I would have had to go on to three people and explain to them why I would have uh, regret. Okay, I'll, I'll get to that question in a second, I promise. Um, so that's called being mater neder. However, um, that's because you took it upon yourself. But when a community decides, we are the community of, let's say, Tveria in Eretz Yisrael, and we, anyone who's going to come here, anyone who's going to be here, we aren't going to do melacha on Erev Pesach. We've accepted it as a community And we hereby bond ourselves and our children with a cherem forever, that this is Tveria's community. So 20 generations, 30 generations, everyone is bound by it. No rabbi in the world can take this minig away. Which is different than when you decide to accept a minig. Because when you decide to accept a minig, a rabbi can talk to you individually. But over here, the reason why the child who's born in Tveria needs to follow that minag is because that's what his community accepted. And therefore, you can't, we can't be mater kitneos or anything like that. This is what the communities accepted where we were born, where we're from, and therefore, hatara doesn't work. That's how strong minhagim are. Avrami Solomon asks a question. He says, what about if children are born to parents with different minhagim? So I guess what Avrami means is that the, the, <laughs> the parents uh, had different minhagim before the child was born in the place that they came to. And, 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 and therefore, um, I'm going to answer the question, I think, a little bit better. Uh, let's assume, in our uh, theoretical case, Tveria has a minig not to do melacha on Erev Pesach. People come to Tveria from Yerushalayim where that minig is not applicable, let's say. But they know they're coming to Tveria, they have to accept the minogam of Tveria and not do melacha. And their children that are born from them are Tveriaites despite who their parents were. Now, even though it wasn't their ancestors that did it, once they come to Tveria, they become children of Tveria as well. So that's the way it would work. And what if someone moves out of Tveria, Rabbi? What about someone what? Who moves out of Tveria. Okay, so then you have a right to go to a different community, and then you can change your minag. Yes, that could happen. 
You have the right to go to a different community and change your minhag. We're going to see that coming up right now. Okay? And that's actually... What does it mean, malacha? So as we said, malacha means something that takes something that takes a long time to do and is extremely involving for the person doing it. Uh, it's like uh, it's like being it's like being involved in um, in uh, uh, washing uh, clothes in those times. Uh, it's like uh, uh, um, stitching together a, a tailor, uh, creating a, a piece of clothing. That's what we're talking about. Uh, a, a big job. OK. Um, so let's take a look at what uh, uh, what Yonatan. So, so I might so I might consider cooking as a malacha. Takes a long time to prepare. So cooking for yontif uh, is not considered a. Uh, if you haven't done it beforehand, if you if you need it for yontif, that would be okay. Similar to chalamoe. If you don't get it done, what's going to happen? I guess what you're, you're asking, right? And I think cooking. Um, does not take as long time. Uh, it, it, you might be a, a super chef, but the job itself doesn't take a, a huge amount of time uh, to do. Um, but we are allowed to cook on Yom also. Right, but but again, this is, it, it can't be Chomer than Yom itself. That's true. Okay? But that's, a, that's even a smarter answer. Let's now take a look. Speaking about, yeah, I know, I know all the all the loopholes. If you need all the loopholes loopholes for cooking on Yom Tov, I can tell you. I know it for ten years. I've been doing it. <laughs> <laughs> all right, but 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 but, but Effie's question was: Does the issur of not doing malacha apply to cooking? So the answer is, cooking can't be one of the issur because it can't be. If the whole idea is to treat it like a Yom Tov, on a Yom Tov itself, you are cooking. Okay. So, so, so I'm saying, but today's time, what would you consider a malacha? Laundry, you have a machine. It doesn't take a long time. It takes two minutes to put it in. Uh, stitching something, today you got the machine. Putting, putting, consider... putting together, get, you got a, a bunch of bookcases from Ikea that you have to put together. <laughs> okay? You have a bunch of bookcases that came in, and you have to take them out of the box and, and put them all together with screws and stuff like that. All right. Uh, rearranging, uh, putting shelving into your garage. Those would be those would be examples of malacha. Um, it depends. Rami's asking about writing. If it's done as a head yote, it's different. If it's just writing stuff down like notes, that wouldn't be that way. If you'd be writing a, a folio, writing a safer, as we saw, you're writing a safer for it to look beautiful. That that would be us, sir. Uh, let's let's just make a start to the next Sif Dalid. If a person is going to a, from a place uh, where they do melacha erev uh, Pesach before Chatzos, and he's spending this Pesach in a frumer place, Yerushalayim, they don't. Tveri, Yerushalayim, they do. Tveria, they don't. And he's going to Tveria. Shulchan Aruch says on page two, Lo Yase. Rabbi, I'm sorry. I have a quick question. Yeah, what about that? The Sardim. Give me one second. Lo Yase. Don't do Malacha there. 
I think I'm, I'm missing a word here. Lo yase. If you're in this town, even though you don't, you do malacha, but now you're in a place that doesn't do it. Nowhere in the city should you do malacha, because people will find out about it. Wherever you are, people will see. They'll know. You can't say, "Well, in your room, you were doing malacha." You were in an apartment. Someone heard you hammering. Someone heard you working on that on on that IKEA bookshelf. Whatever it was you were doing. If you are in that place, you got to be careful. Even though you're not planning to stay in in Tveria, you're your shalmi. You're planning going back to your shalayim where they're not so from, where they do melacha erev Pesach before Chatzos. But now you're in Tveria where they don't. Uh, anywhere within the city boundary. Right. In fact, the Mishnah Bura says here, As long as you're in the within 200 Amis of the city, you are in the city and don't start doing Malacha, people will notice. Because it's very crucial that people realize, as the Mishnah Bura says, People find out, people are nosy, they know what's going on. Aval, since you are planning on going back to Yerushalayim, Osehu Bamidbar. If you go to some place way outside of the city limits, on the road, in the Midbar, there you could go ahead and do some malacha where nobody can see you. And let's say you're going from Tveria to Yerushalayim. Well, I'm a Tverianic. I'm spending Pesach in Yerushalayim, and I'm there Erev Pesach. I can't say I'm going to be just like the Yerushalmis and do Melocha Pesach morning, Erev Pesach morning. Lo yase. Don't do Melocha. And in fact, nobody, nobody, nobody is going to think that you're a frumer or you're trying to make a fight because many times people don't have work what to do. All right. I have a, a, a quick question. I'm sorry, Rabbi. Yes. A little, a little challenging question. What would you do, for example, let's say there's a divorced parents and the children live in Yerushalayim, but then every other week they stay one time, one week in Tveria with the mother or father, one week in Yerushalayim. What do they do? What are they supposed to do? Uh, that's a good question and a complicated one. What are you? What is the child? Who is the when 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 a divorce occurs, and 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 a child now spends time in one city and another city, and in the different cities there's different minhagim. What does the child do? Who is the child considered primal with? So I would say to answer that question. Um, we know that the Bezdin can give custody to one child, to one parent. And if the child lives with that parent primarily, although he goes to visit, the child is considered with the Minog of the whoever is considered in the custody of whichever parent it is. Um, 
Okay? This halacha, by the way, which we've been talking about, about Erev Pesach, is really relevant to all places like Yom Tov Sheni, wearing tefillin on Chalamoed. Th- these halachas, this is the area in Shulchan Aruch where this is dealt with. What happens when you go from one place to another? How should you act? And, and, and what in what way should you be? So this is a very relevant halacha, not only to Pesach, it's relevant to many, many uh, areas of, 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 of different menogim in Jewish law. All right, so that's our halacha for today. I told you it's going to be interesting. We're now going to start. Hello! We're going to start Mesechta's Peah because we only have a little bit of brachas left. And those of you that want on Erev Pesach, we can make that siyum and finish Mesechta's brachas Yershalmi. And I'll do that for you uh, two weeks from today. And we'll push Thank it Thank you on. very much, Rabbi. All right, so that'll be our siyum. That'll be the siyum that... I don't, oh, think you, I don't think you need to fast anyway. You heard the Psaq of Rabbi But we're going to be moving now on to the new Masechta, Masechta's Peya. Rabbi, quick question, please. So maybe, so maybe Rabbi also, they said, go and go clean for Pesach. What, what did you say? What did you say to I hear, I hear. I hear that somebody told me that you don't have to be very makbid in Pesach to clean. You do have to be makbid or you don't have to be makbid? That's what I hear that somebody told me. Some some rabbi said that, but just to clarify what the rabbi mean, he mean like you don't have to go to the basement that maybe in an area you don't need and go crazy okay. or take all your living room outside right. the house. So, so let me answer, so let me answer the question. Um, it's it, it, it's very crucial to be healthy right now and to be as strong as possible. Every single one of us here, if you're Elizabeth person, I am going to tell you that I really believe you've probably come into contact with someone with corona, okay, uh, in some way. I don't know that you absorbed it in your skin or you touched the person's germs, but I'm telling you, I already know, and I don't want to get into more details, but I think the corona was within the Jewish community, and you probably were in the same room of people with corona. Because of that, it's important to be as strong and healthy as possible, and overwork yourself cleaning for Pesach this year. On the other hand, it's possible that there are certain things you can't do this year, Pesach, that you can For example, Mechiras Chometz, if, if your house is under quarantine and locked away or in your office, I guess the guy can maybe get there. It might be that you have to clean out more stuff than you normally would. But I would say, in generally, in terms of mechiras chametz, there might be more chumras about what you're, what you could sell, because the goy has to have access to your home. If we're living in a, if we're living in a, situ, if we're living in a situation where the goy does not have access to your house, it's possible the mechiras chametz is not as valid, is not valid. Okay, so, but I would, in general, I would agree. That, that we need to be makel on many, many fronts, including 
how more how much we're machmer in Bedikas Chometz and how much we clean up our house. However, I'll just say one third thing. Being normal is important as well. To just not clean for Pesach, you're going to feel what's going on here. Is, is it really yontif? Do what needs to be done. Don't act in a way as if nothing's like it's not like it's go through somewhat of your normal routine to make you feel like you are part of what's that yomtiv is still happening. To say, oh, but the ever this year you can be make all this, make all that, you won't have a tzura of Pesach. So uh, this is a little bit of an answer in, 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 in the middle. I want to start the new Masechta. So, Rabbi, so it's, you know, it's Pesach without Sefer Torah, without Sefer Torah, without Fibot Rabbi, I think so, it's, it's like evil. It's evil for me. I understand. You know what? Let's have this conversation a little bit later. Uh, I want to start. How do we sell? How, how do we do Mechiros Chametz this year? Who do we sell our Chametz? So I think Rabbi, I think Rabbi Herman and Rabbi Bleicher uh, have forms available online, and you can fill out those forms. Chabad, you can also con- go to Chabad.org, and you can find forms to sell your Chametz as well. And you don't need to actually have a physical presence with the rabbi. Avrami mentions to me that a guy could come into your house. He just doesn't want to come into your house. But if there is, Avrami, legal things on the books saying that you should not be traveling, I'm not so sure. If there is like a legal thing stopping people from getting into places and not being as a lockdown, and you're violating the law, making unnecessary trips, I think there might be a problem with the Mechiris Chometz. But again, we'll talk about it at a different time. I see Avrami or somebody has something to say. Aha. Uh-huh. Okay. Avrami's got our forms, and Rabbi Gleisher, I know, has something. We'll talk about it a little bit later, everybody. New Mesechta. Please, everybody, shut your microphones. Shut your microphones. These are things, mitzvot, that there is no, there's nothing that's limiting you in how much you can do. There's also (laughs) no limit of how little you can do. What is that? Payah. That's what our Masechta is. It's about helping Klal Yisrael. It's about when you are involved in Ketzirah, when Ketzirah begins, which this is the period in Eretz Yisrael, right by the spring, at the end of the spring, when Ketzirah starts, that's when the mitzvah of Peya begins in the area of your field, and there's no shear. Meaning that, and we're going to see how much you can, you can leave almost your whole field Peya, or the slightest amount, according to the Torah, you've still fulfilled the mitzvah of Peya. Now, Midarabanan, we made Peya like Truma, that you should leave at least a 50th of your field for the Aniyim to come in there and cut what they want from the fruits and, 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 and crops that are growing there. That's the mitzvah of Peya. You have to be an Ani to be able to take it. But technically, there's no shear of Peya. The simile, Bikurim. There's no shear for Bikurim. 
you can put as much as you want in the basket. It's got to be at least one fruit, right? So it's got to be at least a fruit. <laughs> but there's no shear of how much needs to be uh, put in. Um, uh, Henry is asking 160th. 150th is the amount Chazal would like you to give. But in between 140th and 160th, similar to Truma. When it comes to Bikurim, you can give as much as you want, or you can give as little as you want. Rayon. We're not, we don't have this mitzvah anymore. Mitzvah Shem, maybe the Mashiach will come and we'll have this mitzvah this year, which is to be Ola Regel, which is to come up to Yerushalayim, the Mokam of the Shekhinah, and bring your Bahama, bring your Korban, bring your Ayla but more than that, to actually go there and be part, to go into the Azara, if you're Tahor, to go into that area and feel the presence of Hashem, there's a mitzvah of going to, uh, to, to be Ole Regel and to be in the Mikdash area. And you fulfill the mitzvah every time you go. We'll see about the Korban, the amount, if there is a limit. But you can bring as, you can bring a number of Korbanot. There's no limit to the amount of Korbanot you can bring. I don't know if you're going to get them all in. There might be people ahead of you. But there's no limit. This is very important for the Corona time. Gemilat Chasadim. There's no fear on Gemilat Chasadim. <laughs> Nobody's going to tell you you did too much. When it comes to Bigomel Chesed, there's no such thing as doing too much. And similarly, even the smallest amount is considered an act of Gemilas Chesed. So even if people says I can't do anything, you never know. Uh, the great Rav Chaim Kreisworth, who was for Shashiva in Merkaz Atora and the Rav of Antwerp, Gon Otsum, said that even though we can't be as big as the Rishonim in our mind, in our brains, in our understanding of Chazal, an understanding of Torah, but we can be bigger than them in Chesed. In Gemilas Chesed, there's no such thing as Yeridas Adoros. It's possible that this year, Tafshin Pei, Klal Yisrael, is going to be able to do Chesed greater than it's ever been done. We're not going to be able to learn Torah better than it was ever done. Because Moshe, Aaron, Elozer, Vizomar, they already were the highest level of Havana Satorah. Yavne, the Chachamel, we're never going to match them in, in Torah. Forget about it. I don't care how many computers we have. But in terms of Gemilas Chesed, Rav Kreisworth said, we can be greater even than the Ovos. Because Gemilas Chesed is unbound. Incredible, incredible idea from Rav Kreisworth. Next. Page two. Talmud Torah. <laughs> Talmud Torah, I know there's some of you that can't learn whatever is going on with you, but one word of Torah is still Torah. One idea of Torah is still the mitzvah, and you fulfilled the mitzvah of Talmud Torah. But it also doesn't have a shir lamala. There's no shir lamala of Talmud Torah. No one's going to say you did, you, you've done your, there's no harezem eshubach, <laughs> like there is by Sipritzias Mitzrayim. It's, I did the mitzvah, and now it's the rest is 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 is, is added on it. Torah, every single thing, every as the Vilna Gaon says here, 
every single word and idea of Torah is another mitzvah. That we just learned this page. Every single independent idea, or the Vilna Gon says, every word that we've said, which is part of an independent idea, we have fulfilled another mitzvah saseh. He says there's no other mitzvah that you can spend, you can learn a page and get a hundred mitzvahs in learning a page. Eilu Dvarim, we say this b'risa, we say something similar to this every morning. Eilu Dvarim sh'adam ochel mi peiroteyen ba'olam hazeh, v'akeren kayemet la'olam haba. Let me explain what this means. You say it every morning, you rush through it like a like a locomotive. But let me explain to you what it means. Um, the payroll of something are not the essential thing. The payroll are a benefit that you get. Peyroteyen be'olamazet. The 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 actual tree itself is an olamhaba. But you get benefits from that tree. And the tree is still strong, even though you're able to take the peros off. Okay? And that's what it is. Karen kayemet, lalamaba. The karen, the essential uh, capital, principle of that object is, is strong and nothing has been taken away from it. What's the example? Kibbut Ava'im. Kibbut Ava'im is a mitzvah for God to do chesed with your parents. God wants that mitzvah, and he wants you to know it's his mitzvah. Because by doing kibbut avahim, you become closer to God as well. But it also gives you peros in this world. What are the peros it gives you? It gives you a sense of harmony and peace within your family. When you do kibbut avahim, your children see what it means to, to take care of an older person. And you'll be taken care of. Those are the payroads. The karen is what God's going to pay you for all that great kibbut aim that you did. But the arichas yomim that, that the Pusik speaks about, which is having a decent life, is because when you honor your parents and, and you set up a situation where there's a lack of tension and there's an understanding, there's a great family bond, there's a strength, that creates a sense of menucha, a sense of belonging, a sense of well-being. And it's actually also something where your children will take care of you. And that'll give you the payros. Those are the payros. And the Karen is an olamabo. Okay? I don't know if you understood Pshad until Kivalevich told it to you right now. Next. What else? Rabbi, we... what if somebody don't... Somebody is Yatom. Don't have a father, no mother, and no father. Okay. Um, unfortunately, if we how we fulfill the mitzvah, you can't. If you've lost your parents, unfortunately, you cannot fulfill that mitzvah. But when you did, Zion, boy, did you have a good mitzvah. Yeah. Okay. And and you are still. Yeah, but, re- but but you know, Zion, listen to me. The payros are here. Your father and mother are gone. But your children saw the way you respected your father, and they are respecting you because of that. You are getting the payros of the mitzvah of Kibbutz that you did. Now, you could also, there is a way, the post can say, to still fulfill Kibbutz after your parents are gone. And that is to say over their Torah, to talk about them 
but it's not exactly the same mitzvah as it was in their lifetime. What else? Gemilut chasadim. Doing. What about what about the, what about if they wrote the sfarim? You're learning every day sfarim. Isn't that like they're doing the sfus? Yeah. All right. So saying over the Torah of your parent is something. If your if your parent wrote a sefer and you disseminate your parent's Torah, that is still kibbutz, but it's not the same thing because you're not attending to their needs. Okay. You're you're getting you're giving them more schuyot in the olam emet, but kibbutz a means taking care of your parents and making them comfortable. And, and, and that's what Kibbutz A means. Next. Gemilut chasadim. Okay? Obviously, you are going, if you're a Gomel Chesed, the world's a better place. The person, you, you've made, you, you've, you've made that person's life better. He's gonna make your life better when you need him, when he needs, when you need him. So Gemilas Chesed has payros in this world for you. Havat shalom bein adam So some people, which means bringing, making peace between people that were arguing with each other, trying to clear up a family argument, an argument that a couple was having, an argument that partners were having, to try to make shalom between people. That is also one of the mitzvot the Mishnah is telling us, that God will give you tremendous olam for it, but you also have peros in this world. Now, one of the questions that you can see the Mepharshim ask, you can see on the side, he says, Isn't Havat Shalom Gemilas Chesed? Right? Isn't, isn't to make, to, to bring peace between people that are arguing, isn't that just another way to be Gomel Chesed? So, the told us Yitzchak here, who was living in, in, in communist Russia, when he wrote this Perish. He says that Havat Shalom is even if they're not asking for it. To be Gomel Chesed is when you know the person wants you, uh, he needs help. I got a call this afternoon, right before this year. There's someone in this community who, who, who isn't leaving their house often. It turns out that they're in their bedroom, the plaster broke. And it came down on one of the beds in the bedroom. And their whole bedroom is now full of plaster and junk that came down from the, from the roof. And they gave me a call. What can I do? Can I do something? Do I know somebody? Okay. If anybody knows, let me know. Someone who's willing to come in there and help them. Cause, you know, why, they don't, have... why don't call me, Rabbi? Why don't call me? I just, I, I, I didn't think you were supposed to be leaving your house, Tion. And, and the person that called me is somebody that needs... I'm leaving the house. I'm going every place I want, Rabbi. I'm not uh, from Chesed. I'm going any place. I put... Okay, you need to be no careful. No problem, Rabbi. Okay, you need to be and careful. Yes, if we need these people cannot sleep, I go to, to move it. Okay, uh, they moved into another bedroom, but their normal bedroom is now full of plaster that fell from the wall, from the ceiling. To be Gomel Chesed, I'll call Tzion after the show. If it's not an emergency, it's okay, Rabbi. Tzion, I don't think, I told him we can wait. But that's a case okay. of Gomel Chesed. Someone calls you and says, help me. Tell me the name of a contractor. Tell me the name of someone. Can you come over and help me? That's being Gomel Chesed. 
Havat Shalom is they're not even asking you, but you notice that they're fighting. You notice that the, 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 the brothers aren't getting along. You notice that the partners are not getting along. The husband and wife aren't getting along. And you try with Pikhus to try to make Shalom. That's Havat Shalom Benadam Lechavero. It's hard to do. <laughs> Sometimes it backfires. And you know what I mean. V'talmet Torah keneged kulan. V'talmet Torah, that's the ultimate in terms of peros in this world. If you learn Torah, you become more subtle. You become a better person. You learn midos. You learn derech it, it, it makes the world better. You're from the bone olam. You're going to get tremendous char. That's the karen kayemet. But it also has peros, ba'olam azeh. Learning Torah, it settles you. It calms you. It, it allows you to be the type of person who knows how to deal with other people and be able to change the world for the better. That's why Talmud Torah is the ultimate peros in this world. Next, that's the Mishnah. Let's go to the Gemara. Rabbi Yomin Bar Levi, Omar Rabbi Yitzchok. Rabbi Ami. Haviyasvin Makshi. They sat about this Mishnah and they asked, Truma doesn't have a shear. We know it has a shear midarabonon, but so does Peya. Truma, we know one chita, one little kernel can make you potter. And, and you can give as much Truma as you want. Why isn't Truma in the Mishnah? Ravami said, because we're going to find when we get the Masechtas Truma, Spirit Hashem. <coughs> yes, your Shalmi starts Daf Aleph. We don't have this Daf Bey's business in uh, in your Shalmi. Your Shalmi starts with Daf Aleph. Remember, Levi, again, Truma, there's a Machlokas. There's a Machlokas in Masechtas Trumos, whether um, you're allowed to make your whole field truma or not. Some say that the only way you can you can make 50% of your field truma. But you but truma means racious the a section. Truma demands according to some opinions either at least half was left and you take half of it and give it to the Kohen. If you're going to give 99.9 and you're only going to keep one little thing for yourself Maybe that's not truma. Truma means I lift up a section and I give it to the Kohen. But if I make everything almost is truma, maybe that doesn't count. So that's why there's a discussion about this. Mipnea machlokas. Amr Rabbi Yossi, Adam osa kol sodeya bikurim, ve'en Adam osa kol sodeya truma. When it comes to bikurim, we know when it comes to bikurim, you can say, I'm not given a basket. Everything, all those fruits are all Bikurim. When it comes to Truma, there needs to at least be something you keep for yourself. The part that was Tevel, and now you've taken the Truma off. The part that you've been misaking, the part that's Hulin. When it comes to Bikurim, the whole thing can be Bikurim. Ramar says, one second. Ativun, that's not a good answer. Hareyu Omer, Peya. Peya is in the Mishnah. Vaharei ein Adam Ose Kol Sodeyu Peya. We know you can't have your whole field paya. Why? Because Tanitua, we learn in the Brisa, Amar Abiosi, Kitsiras, Shibolet, Harishona, 
Now, let me explain what this means. Technically, I can't just say, my field, it's all paya. Go and get it on the... The reason is, is because there's a din of rashes ketzirchem. You have to at least cut one shibolet. You have to cut one stalk. When your coats are one stalk, now it's shy to say the field is in paya mode. Let me read you the words inside in the Yerushalmi. Ketzirat shibolet harishona. Taking that first stalk, cutting that first stalk, doma lemeirucho. That's like when you have trumas and maestros that come from a field. Trumas and maestros that come from grain and harvest. In order to be chayiv in trumas and maestros, there has to be gemar melocha. You have to actually not only harvest it, you actually have to put it in bundles and straighten it off. You need to be meriachit. You need to actually turn it into a nice squared looking piece of, 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 of grain. It has to be what's considered a finished product. Until you do a finished product, the field's not chayiv in trumas and maestros. In the same way, until you do your first act of ketira, you can't declare peyah. When the first stalk is cut, now then, um, so you need that one stalk cut. Once that happens, one stalk, I've started ketira, the rest of the field can be paya. So that's different than truma. When it comes from truma, you need to you need to leave over something this tevel that's being fixed by the truma. By paya, listen to what I'm saying. By paya, the chi of a paya, the shame paya is not applicable until ketsira begins. The same way truma and meiser don't really make sense. Minatora, until you have a Gemar Malacha, until you have a Peri, until you have Dagan, until you have Tavua, you don't have Truma from the Tavua. What makes Tavua happen is the physical actions of finishing the product. In the same way, when it comes to Peya, it's not called Peya until you cut one thing. Once you cut it, though, you can say that whole field is Peya. I'm not taking any of it for myself which is different than Truma. And that's why Truma is not in the Mishnah. Okay. Let me see what the question is. Um, okay. I, I, I'll answer that question a little bit later that Yonatan is asking. Um, if there's a minimum, how can they say it's unlimited? Um it really is okay. It's unlimited in the in the sense. So let me answer the question. Uh, there has to be at least one. Uh, when it came to truma, we said one chita can count as truma. So in that way, you would say there's no shear below. Okay, um, but there is a shear above. 
you can't give ever you can't you can't make you can't give your whole field as truma in other words let's say you harvest your whole field you need to leave something over for yourself that's not true with paya with paya the only reason why you have to cut that first shibolet is to start paya from that is what begins the the mitzvah of paya but you can actually turn your whole field into a paya field now the your shalmi is going to ask um as you can see baram hacha truma the cree where you've brought into the into the silo you've brought all the food if you have not yet straightened it out if you have not yet worked on it and flattened it then you're not chayev Nismarech, once you do that, and the Gemar Malacha is, is considered, it's Nigmar Malacha, Bikeshlas is called Kiri of Truma, Enoosa. Then you can't say this whole silo is Truma. Yatanin and Taman, Haomer, Kol Garni Truma, my whole Goren is Truma, or Kol Isasichala, or let's say you have a huge uh, dough. And you want to make it, in, and you want to, your Chayiv and Chala. It's 43 and somewhat eggs. You want to say, you know what? I'm Chayiv and Chala. I want this whole thing to be Chala. It's not, it's not good. Because you have to take something from it. Loy Omar Klum Ad Shiyashayir Mikzas. You have to leave something over, which is not true about Peya. Shibolat Arishona Mashut Chayevis Pepeya. What about that first stalk? Is is that is do you have to take paya from that stock? That's the thing that starts everything. But can you give some paya from that? In other words, can paya be from that first stock? Efshalomarkane. <laughs> is it possible to say that? He he chayevis kol sodeu paya. Next page. Vehi chayevis pepeya. This is the thing that makes you chayev and paya. It can't be chayev and paya itself. That first stalk is like the key to the door. Now the door is open. It's not part of the door. So that first stalk, the, the material on that first stalk is not chayev and paya. Kotzer shibois rishona tisrefena mahu. Let's say you harvest it. But as soon as you harvest it, a fire comes and burns it. You're able to cut it off the ground, but you get zero benefit from it. It's like I cut it and again it burnt. Does that count? Do you need to cut another stalk in order to get the chiyav of peyah to kick in? The Gemara says, Let's say somebody is coats or half of his field. And he sells everything that he harvests right away. He harvests half the hiktish. And he puts, gives half away to hiktish. What's the halacha? No So let's say he had 100 bushels. And he gave 50 bushels away. Or he gave 50 bushels to Hektish. But he had 100. He, he is mechuyiv to take a 50th. In other words, he had 100. So all, 
all of it is mechuyiv and pay it. He needs to take a 50th from everything. So he needs to take a 50th from the stuff that's left. The stuff he gave to Hektish is still chayiv and pay He still owes a 50th of what he gave away. So the Gemara says, isn't that the same thing as it got burnt? Right? He says, Behektish lav kisarafu? Isn't the stuff that he made hectish? It's like it's burned. He has no benefit from it, and still he has to take. And still he has to take paya from it. Chada Amra Kotzer Shiboas Harishon of an Israf Ein Sarach Liktsar Pam Shnia. Right. So Chada Amra Kotzer Shiboas Harishon of an Israf. So if it gets burnt, right? How could you? It sounds like. In other words, the same way over there, let me explain it again. The same way over there, it's considered as if he took paya, and he's mechuyiv to be mafresh, even though it's now burned, it's now hektish. The same thing here. He was kotzer, one of the shibolas. It burnt immediately. He still has to be still mechuyiv. That's still called a kotzerah. Even though it's not here for him, it counts. The same way over there with your maktish counts, and you have to take pay you from it of what remains here too even though it's no longer in the world it still means something and it therefore starts the chiyuv to take paya on the rest of the field and therefore kotzer shibos rishona v'nisraf you don't need to do it again you're already can start taking paya already we'll do one last question kila et sadeu Let's say the person does the opposite. Instead of making his whole field paya, he gathers his whole field. He doesn't give a, a bit to the Oni. He, he, he harvests every little piece of his field. At Omar, what happens? Do you say in that case, then you have to take paya from what you've gathered. Don't think you can get away with it. The Aniyam could come and get from what, the bundles that you've made. Because they should have been, had the right to go into your field and gather it like a mensch. But now, whatever, you're not, you're not saving anything. They still can come and get it. So now the question was, Mao Shetach Serpeya, Liktsira, Shibowadarishona. In other words, let's say you did your first Kitsira and then you did everything. Can the Aniyam still get from the first thing that you were Kotzer? Maybe now that first thing that you were Kotzer is Chayev and Peya, because you never left the stalks. You turned them all into bundles. So Amar Rabbi Yossi, he says, When Peyas are in the bundles, it's basically the same thing as if they'd be standing in the ground. Ma Peyas Koma, Lochazra, Peya just like if they're standing there, the first one is is not has nothing to do with pay at all. So even though you were a bum and you and, and you turned it into bundles, that first thing that you were coats there is immune from paya forever. So that's our first sugya. We started paya. Mir Tashem, there's going to be more tomorrow. A new Mesechta, Mesechta's Peya Yerushalmi. It's now time for the Bavli. So here we go.
we were on the bottom of Yud Tesamet Aleph. Um, okay, right where it's one, two, three, four, five, seven lines from the bottom. Vishovit. Shama and Hill had a big machlokus in the Mishnah about whether about using your kalim on Arab Shabbos, putting stuff into your kalim on Arab Shabbos, and then being used on Shabbos. They had a machlokus about about that. Shammai was against it. Hillel allowed it in certain situations. If we have a safeguard of you not touching it and trying to cook and not trying to do a malacha, we allow you to begin certain things before Shabbos, and even though on Shabbos things are happening. But Shammai and Hillel agree that if you, you have a big beam and you place that big beam, it's part of your press it's part of your wine press. It's part of your olive press. And the grapes and the olives have already been gone through the first crush, the risuk. They had the first risuk. You're allowed to put the beam down and the whole Shabbos, even according to Shammai, the stuff can leak. And even though it's leaking and it's working, your keli is working, that's not a problem. That you're allowed to put the big beam down and the liquid is leaking out of the olives and leaking out of the grapes, the whole Shabbos, because of this keli that you have, because of this contraption that you have, this heavy beam that's sitting on there and lowering itself, crushing, crushing, and the liquid is coming out. That can happen all Shabbos. Nobody has a problem with it. That's what the Mishnah says. So the Gemara says, what? Yes. Is that only if the first, if, uh, if it was the first time? So again, it's after you've done the crushing. You've already crushed the grapes. So even right. Sh- even Shammai, who doesn't want you your. So let's take a look at the Gemara. I think it'll become more uh, uh, understandable. Why all those other cases of putting them in the in the in the censure pan and putting it into the container with the dye with the ink? Why was Shammai concerned about your kalim working? And here, here's your kali, your wine press, and you can see, you can maybe even hear the stuff fizzling a little bit if you get close enough. Why is Shammai allowing it? Why, when it comes to the when it comes to the wine press and the and, and the olive press, does he say you can lower it before Shabbos, even though stuff is happening on Shabbos? The low gazru. So the Gemara answers because like this. Hanach, those other things we mentioned in the Mishnah, like the dye coming together which is Gibel, like Lisha. The Ovid Lechu B'Shabbos, if you would do it, if you, it wouldn't be inside of this container. If you would actually have it on your table and you would be molding the ink and its compartment components together. You would be forming ink and making soap or whatever it is. Mechaev Chatat. That would be a Melocha. Gozru B'Bei Shammai, Erev Shabbos, Im That's where Shammai says your keli can't do it. 
If what your Kaylee is doing would be a chattas for you, if you would do it physically, that's where the Pusik refers to the remez, the asmachta, the xera, whatever you want to call it, applies. Koras beis habad, v'igulei agas, are different. The avalu b'shabes, lo machayev chattas. If you, if you, if you didn't have the gas, if you didn't have that big bean, but the stuff was crushed already, the grapes and the olives were crushed already, and you would come and take your hands and squeeze them some more, you wouldn't be chayev chattas. Midarabonon, you're doing the wrong thing. It's, it's rabbinically oser. But it's not dosh. Because dosh is only like, like it was when, like they did it when the farmer. When the farmer did dosh, how did he do it? The kernel is contained in the chaff. The wheat kernel is contained in the chaff. It's stuck in there. Unless you walk around with the horse or whatever you do and crush it, it's going to stay trapped in there. Okay? So if you would crack that kernel, crack the outside, and take the, take the piece out, that's disha. That's the malacha, that's mefarek, that's dosh. When you milk a cow, it's the same thing. Because the milk is inside the animal, it's part of the animal, you did a pu'ula to, to pull the udder, now the milk gets squeezed out. That's also called dosh. Good. But here, because you crushed the wine, the grape already, and the olive already, it already was beginning to come out. So even though you might want to help it along, that's not a malacha from the Torah. And therefore, if that's what your keli is doing, Shammai says it's all right. Let's read it inside. Chorus be'sabad v'igulei agas, di'ovlu b'shabbat, lo mechayev chatas. If you would have gone over to those grapes that have already been crushed and crushed them some more with your hands, quickening the process, that is not usher. In other words, Right? Because the, it's happening anyway. It'll take longer if you don't use your hands, but you're just hurrying along something which has already begun to happen organically. Whereas, whereas by wheat, if you don't crack the kernel, if you don't crack the kernel, it's not coming out. And that's called dush. It's not coming out on its own. But here, because you already subjected the grapes and the olives to that initial cracking, that initial risuk, the liquid that is coming out of it is anyway going to happen. So you are allowed, Minatora, to hurry it along. The rabbis still don't want you to do it, but there's no iser from the Torah. So if that's all your keli is doing, if that's all your base habad is doing, so that's not something that is oser. Okay, let's move on. Tana to call me de lo gozro. Man tana to call me de the usim emela shaper dummy. What is the principle? The principle is something that's happening on its own shaper dummy. Something that's anyway in the process of occurring, it's not a malacha for you to do it. Who holds that? Amar Rabbi Hanina, Rabbi Shmolhi. That means our Mishnah is like Rabbi Shmol. The Tanan, Rabbi Shmol said in the Mishnah in Edios, Hashum, 
Vabosar, Vamalilos. People took uh, garlic. People took wine that was not yet ready. People took stalks. And what did they do? They crushed them on Erev Shabbos. Rabbi Shmuel says, Yigmor, Meshetechshach. Rabbi Shmuel says, you can put them in a container and speed the process along. And there's no problem with that. Okay? Now, let me explain something. We talked about Shammai a couple of minutes ago. Hillel and the whole Chachamim hold of a Takana called Mashkin Shazavu. The halacha is that if you come down Shabbos morning and find a plate of fruit on your breakfast table that you left Friday night and liquids have started to leak out of the fruit, you cannot lap up that liquid. The reason is we're afraid that you're going to come to squeeze the grape itself. That if you, even though you did nothing to make the liquid come out, but if you're going to, if we're going to allow you to take the liquid, you're going to come to squeeze the grapes. But that is only (laughs) if squeezing the grapes is a malacha. If squeezing the grapes is a malacha, we answer drinking the liquid that you didn't squeeze. It's got to be a malacha from the Torah. Rabbi Shmuel says that once you've already crushed the bosar, you've crushed the garlic, you've crushed the wheat, the, the wheat stalk, then you're allowed to drink what comes out of it on Shabbos. You're allowed to use it as a dip. People would use the, the, the gooey garlic dip to dip some stuff in even though it dripped out over Shabbos because it was crushed already, which was different than what you left on your table. The grape or the olive, whatever it was, the liquid that came out of the strawberry, the liquid that came out of the fruit was not, you didn't crush them. It happened on its own. That we don't want you to use the liquid. But if the liquid came from something that was already crushed, and it, and it was and it was speeding. So you're allowed to lap up and use that liquid. That's Rabbi Shmuel's opinion, which shows you that once something is crushed, we're, we're not gozer for Disha. Once something already has begun to memela happen, even though with your hands and with the object that you use, it'll come out quicker. There are no xeros and you're allowed to, 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 to do that. That's like our Mishnah. That says you're allowed to put the uh, you're once you've crushed the grapes you're allowed to keep them in the in that container. Rabbi Kiva, Rabbi Kiva Omer, Lo Yigmar. Rabbi Kiva says no, you should not uh, you should not put that material that that, that crushed garlic. Uh, I don't care. You should not do anything to make to accelerate it coming out. Leave the stuff alone. That's Rabbi Yossi Rabbi Hanina. So Rabbi Yossi Rabbi Hanina found a parallel to our Mishnah. Rabbi Lezer Amar, Rabbi Lezer Amar, Rabbi Lezer the Amora said, no, it's Rabbi Lazar, my namesake. Rabbi Lazar ben Shemua, one of the students of Rabbi Akiva. Ditnan, what does he hold? Chalot dvash, shiriskon, shiriskon Shabbos. Let's say you take out 
the um, you take out the loaves of honey. And Arab Shabbos, you crush them already. You, you don't pulverize them, but you give them a good stomping on. So they're already starting to dissipate, and the honey is starting to come out. The Tanakama holds. He says that's Mashkin Shazovu. That's Perish Shazovu. Because we don't want you crushing them. Rabbi Lozer Matir says, no, there's no problem. Because you're not doing it, and it happened on its own. There's no Gezerah. There's no Takana. Even if you would go physically and smash and start crushing it more, the honey loaves, you would not be doing the Malacha of Dush. It's already beginning. You're just hurrying it along. That's not a malacha from the Torah. Therefore, you're allowed to wrap up the honey on Shabbos. So Rebbe Lazar says that's like our Mishnah. Hold on, hold on. Rebbe Lazar Matir. Now, so now the Gemara, so what do we have now? We have two Amaroyim, Rebbe Lazar and Rebbe Yossi Bar Hanina. Both of them were students of Rebbe Akiva, of Rebbe Yochanan. Each of them are trying to find out who the Tana of our Mishnah is. Because our Mishnah clearly holds that once something is crushed, the Malacha of Disha doesn't apply Minatora anymore. That's what we're trying to figure out. How do we know that? From the fact that Shammai allows you to put it into that to that press. So we're we're not interested in Shammai anymore. We're interested in the theory, in the idea of a Malacha called Malachas Dosh. Again, this is Masechta Shabbos, and we are now concentrating on the Malacha of, of, of Dush. In the Malacha of Dush, once the crushing has happened, once you've done the initial crush, is there a problem anymore, Minat Torah, to accelerate the process? And would there be Xayr the Rabbanon on anything that leaks out? That's the question in front of us. Our Mishnah seems to rule not that way, that there is no problem. Who's the Tana who holds that? So we have a Machlokas Amaroyim, who hold, who's the Tana? Rebbe Lozer said it's his namesake, Rebbe Lozer ben Shemua. Rabbi Yossi Brachanina says it's Rabbi Yishmol who argued with Rabbi Akiva. So now the Gemara wants to know why each of these men make the choice that they made. So let's see inside. Rebbe Lozer, Rabbi Yossi Brachanina, my time alo Omar, my time alo Omar, Rebbe Lozer. Why don't you use that the same about the honey? Amr Lacha, he'll say to you, Hasamu demikara ochel ulibisof ochel. Honey is not like dosh. When it comes to wheat kernel that's in the chaff, that's in the container, that's in the, the bran around it, that's psolis. It's unedible. And by cracking it, you now have food. That's dosh. But honey, even the honey is hard, and it's 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 in the honeycomb. But that honeycomb is edible. You could stick your mouth onto it and eat it. It's still edible. It, it, it's nicer to eat when it slips off of it, and it's nice and gooey. But it's still the same. It's still edible. Therefore, you can't bring a raya from Rebbe Lazar to our case because we're talking about grapes and olives. Grapes and olives, even though the grape is edible and the olive is edible, but to get liquid out of the grape, to get wine out of the grape, is similar to getting the kernel out of the wheat, the wheat kernel out of the chaff. The, 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 the grape is a food. You want the liquid. 
the oil is a, is, is a liquid. The thing around it is a food. That's like wheat. Whereas honey, it's all food. So you can't bring a proof from honey to the case of grapes and olives. So let's see it inside. Honey was a food before. It's a food now. Here, the olive is all it is is a food. It's a fruit. And now, when you're going to use your hands or whatever it is to get more to get more oil from it, you're getting a drink from it. That's not you can't bring a proof from the case of honey. Good question. Rebbe Lezer, why did you think you could bring a proof from there? Amr l'cha, hashamina le'Rebbe Lezer. Rebbe Lezer, I happen to know, Rebbe Lezer, the one I quoted as the Tan of our Mishnah, he says, da'filu zeisim v'anovim nami shari. He says the same halach is true when you have crushed. You've made the initial crush of olives and grapes. You're now, there's no isr derabonet at all about anything that leaks from it. When Rav Hoshia came from visiting Narada, <laughs> Rav Hoshia lived in Israel, but he visited Bavel. He visited Narada, which is where many of the Gedolim lived in Bavel. Also, he came, he brought a brisa with him that said, Mayor of Shabbos, that if you have olives and grapes that you have crushed from Erev Shabbos, you did the initial crush, and now on Shabbos day itself, you find them in the plate, the liquid on the plate, Asurim. That's part of the Xera. Because we, you might try to do Disha further. Rebel Lazar and Reb Shimon Matirin. So you see that Rebel Lazar is not only Matir by honey, he's even Matir by olives and grapes. Therefore, it's the same idea that we have in our Mishnah. That's why it seems to. Uh, it seems to jive. So the Gemara says, wow, Rabbi Yossi Bar Hanina, why, don't you know about that? He says, Brysa lo shmiele. He didn't hear about that Brysa, and he maybe rejected it. Therefore, he's not going with Rabbi Lazar, he's going with his man, who's Rabbi Akiva. Which is the next question. Reb, uh, Rabbi Shmo, I mean. Rabbi Lazar, my time alumma, Rabbi Yossi Bar Hanina. <laughs> Rabbi Lazar, why don't you hold like Rabbi Yossi? Use Rabbi Shmuel. Rabbi Shmuel seems to be talking about Bosar, which is a type of grape. <laughs> Why don't you use him? Amr l'cha, Rabbi Lazar will say, Lav itmer Allah. There's been a discussion about that Machlokis Yishmol and Akiva. Amr Rabbi Yochanan, in the name of our mutual Rabbi, Rabbi Yochanan, who said, Bim chusarin dicha dekuyamelo plige. Okay, let me explain what this is in 20 seconds. We've talked about a risuk. That's the first crush. Then there's dicha. That's the second crush. That's when you, right? Then you have the literal, the, the, then you have the ultimate crush. The ultimate crush is shachika. So there's risuk, dicha, shachika. Three levels. So now let me explain it again. If dicha, if if you haven't yet 
had level two, meaning you did risuk. Even Yishmol says you're not allowed to put it in the container and use the stuff that's dripping. The Romach Lokas Yishmol and Akiva is when it's two things of two stages have happened, but the third stage hasn't happened. Shika hasn't happened. Therefore, Yishmol is really a machmir. Yishmol was mater only in that case because the boser there had not only been crushed, which is risuk, it also had dicha. The only thing that was missing was the very last level, which was shechika. And that's where he and Akiva argue. But Yishmol can't help our Mishnah because in our Mishnah only one level happened. Only risuk occurred. That is why Rebbe Lozer did not go with Yishmol. He went with Rebbe Lozer ben Shamua with the honey. Our case is like our case in our Mishnah with Shammai is like it's, you only did Risuk. So therefore, nobody would allow it between Yishmol and Akiva. Therefore, you have to go to Rabbi Lozer. Ho Rabbi Yossi Barachanina Rabbi Yishmol though. Rabbi Yossi Barachanina stuck to his guns. He didn't learn like Rabbi Yochanan. He went against his Rebbe in this case. And he paskined like Rabbi Yishmol that you're allowed to use um, the material, even though it was only one, all, all you did was risuk. All you did was risuk, that's good enough. You can use the liquid that pours out of it. You can take stuff out of the container. And that's Rabbi Shmuel's Pesach. Now we're going to get into another discussion that's important for Ilcha Shabbos, which is about muksa. Here we go. When we talk about a wine press, a wine press, the owners would allow the workers to get some benefit besides the little bit of money they paid them. They would allow them to clean out under the wine, the oil that was under the press and to take it home. That was always considered payment to the workers. Now the question is, on Shabbos, can you go over there and start licking up some of that oil? Or is that oil muktza? Because that's probably meant to pay the worker who's going to come after Shabbos. You have something which you put away normally every Shabbos for a worker, even though it's good oil and you can put it on your salad. But normally every Shabbos, your mental attitude is that's going to go pay someone. Does that become muktza for you this Shabbos? Can you change your mind? Or do you say, hey, this is edible stuff. I have a right to change my mind. It's no longer muksa. Can it become, maybe it's not ever muksa because maybe a person is always thinking, hey, I can maybe use that oil. Even though normally if if you'd ask you early Friday after you say, that's probably going to go to the worker, but maybe on Shabbos, yeah, look, I never think it's totally for the worker. It's not like really muksa. That's the question. What else is the question? Hani karche dezuze. These are these are these blankets that you cover up. <laughs> you cover up what's going to go into the. You usually use it to cover up the what's going to go on the ocean, the stuff that's going to go on the ocean trip to be sold. This is what you usually use to cover them up. It's a cold Shabbos. You walk over uh, to where the stuff is. It's ready to go out right after Saturday night. You say, "Hey, that's a good blanket. I need that blanket tonight. I'm going to use it to be warm." Are you allowed to? Is it considered muktza or not? So Rav Osraf says, yes, it's muktza. Shmuel Shari. Shmuel says you're allowed to. 
Shmuel says it's not considered muktza. You're allowed to take it. Oh, you know what? I skipped something. Machzola shobadodin. That's what covers up. That's what covers up the uh, the oil press. Can you take some of those coverings and take it into the house and sit down on it, or use the covers uh, for the for, for the material that's in the ship? Rav and Shmuel argue. Umber of Nachman, Ez Lachalba. Let's say it's Yontif now. Okay, that's Muktza on Shabbos. Yontif, there's also a din of Muktza. Let's say you have a goat that's been a great milker up until now. But now this, this Yontif morning, you figure you're having a lot of people, you want to take this goat out and slaughter it. Are you allowed to? Or is this considered a moneymaker? Before Yontif, if someone would have asked you, you would have said, I'm, uh, this goat is meant for making money. This goat is not meant to eat. What's the din? Rachel Gizata. The same thing is true when you have a sheep, that the sheep is usually a moneymaker, that you get wool from it. Tarnagol Beitzata, or a chicken for its eggs. Can you decide on Yontif to change your mind? Or Tamre de Iska. You have a whole bunch of dates, but you're a guy who sells dates to people. And you have a whole bunch of dates that are part of your schora. It's part of what you sell. Can you take some of those dates and eat them for Yontav? What's the halacha? Once again, Rav Osar. Rav is more machmer on muktzah. Shmuel Omar Mutter. But even though we know it as Rav and Shmuel, the machlokas goes earlier than them. They arguing with the Tanoim, three or four generations before them. Yehuda and Shimon argued. Yehuda and Shimon, they argued. Yehuda was the Machmir on Muktza, and Shimon was Matir on Muktza. Ahu Talmida Da'iri Becharta Da'argaz Kirebi Shimon. We know that if you look in Shabbos, the Mishnayas and Shabbos seem to say that we're more lenient on Muktza than we are on Yontif. So there was a certain student who went to the city of Charta Da'argiz, and he paskin like Reb Shimon. He paskin that this thing wasn't muktza. Shamte Rav Amnuna. Rav Amnuna put him in cherem. Amar says, what? Boka Reb Shimon Svirulon. But we paskin like Reb Shimon. Amar says, we do, that's right. But Ba'asrei de Rav Ave. That's the city of Rav. True. If you're making your own new city, you're inventing your new town, you're going to paskin normative halacha. But there are still cities where the old halacha applies. <laughs> the old halacha still applies the way Rav did it. And that city never changed. And you can't go into that city and change stuff. And if you're going to go in that city and be Mekel, we're going to put you in Cherem for going against the minug of the rabbi of that town. Because the rabbi in that town, Paskins, that is more machmer. And that's what the Gemara says. There were two students. There was a fire. And one of them took a huge basket and put as much as he could in one basket, like Santa Claus, so to speak, and put a whole bunch of stuff in that one big basket and schlepped it all out. Okay? And the other one schlepped the stuff out of the place of the fire. He took four or five containers and then emptied them into another big basket. 
Why did one do it one way and one do it the other way? <laughs> because we're going to find out when we later in the Mesechta, <laughs> about uh, three months from now, we're going to find out, or three and a half months from now, that this is this is a machlokas about how to save things from a fire, and it was the machlokas of Rabbi Barzav and Rafuna. So you can see sometimes when an Amora has an opinion, his students will do things, and you're going to find people doing things differently based on the different psalkim of their rabbis. And that can sometimes happen even in the same city, in the same place, like it happened over here. Next Mishnah. Ein tzolin basar batzel ubeitza This even according to Hillel. You can't start roasting meat. You can't start roasting um, uh, uh, onion. You can't start roasting an egg unless you know it's going to reach a certain level of cooking. Slia, while before Shabbat starts. A nostin pas im You can't put bread into the oven as it starts to get dark. Or a charara, or a type of cake. Al gabi It's not in the oven, but it's but it's but it's outside, but it's roasting on top of coals. It has to be at least sufficiently baked during the day. There has to be enough done before Shabbat starts. Otherwise, we're worried you might try to hurry the process along on Shabbat. You have to be satisfied that enough of it was done before Shabbat that it's okay, that the Isser doesn't kick in. What does it mean, Kadesh Yikrom? Kadesh Yikrom atachton shalah, the bottom of it, not the top. It needs to be more cooked than that. Not just the top, you see a layer starting to rise and crack, but even a lower, you need to see a process. Mishal shalin es ha-pesach betanur im It's Friday afternoon and it's Erev Pesach. You've shechted the Korban Pesach in the Beit HaMikdash. And now you want to eat it that night. You're not allowed. It's Shab, I'm sorry. It's, it's Pesach and Shabbos are the same day. The first day of Pesach is Shabbat. You're not allowed to roast your animal to eat. It needs to be roasted before. But you can start the roasting before. It doesn't have to be ready before Shabbat. You can lower it into the Tanur even when it started to get dark because you didn't cook on, on Shabbos. Your, your oven was working. We don't paskin like Shammai. Your oven was working. So it doesn't have to be cooked before Pesach, but it has to be in the oven before Pesach. Now, one second. We know before Hillel is worried about stuff, and we're going to see why we allow you to do this on Pesach. In the Beis HaMikdash, you are allowed to start the fire in one of the chambers underneath the Azara. You could start the fire, the Madura, to heat up the, 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 for the Kohanim on Friday afternoon. Ubigvulin, next page. Kidei But if it's not in the Beis HaMikdash, then the only way you're allowed to start a big fire is if 
most of it will be on flame. Most of the wood fuel that you have will be on fire before Shabbos starts. Otherwise, we're afraid you're going to start fiddling with it on Shabbos. Rabbi Yudamar, it depends. If what you have is coals, then you don't care about the wood that much. If the, if there are hot coals helping the fire along, kol shahu. Then even the smallest amount. We're just going to go for a couple more minutes tonight. Vikama, Amar Rebbe Lozer, Amar Rav, Kedeshi Yitzolumi Vodyom, Kemaychol Ben Drusoy. How much does the 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 um, the the egg have to be cooked? How much does the meat have to be cooked? The onion have to be cooked? It has to be cooked like Michael Ben Drusoy. Now Rashi explains Ben Drusoy is a ganav, a thief. A thief needs, wants to eat food that's cooked, but he's always on the run because the cops are always after him. So if it's cooked a third of what we considered perfectly cooked, well done, a third of considered well done is considered sufficiently cooked before Shabbat that Hillel and the Rabbanan that we Paskin like are not worried that you're going to change stuff. So if food is at least a third cooked, then you don't have a problem of keeping it on the oven, keeping it there on Shabbos. The same thing is true with Bishul Nochri. A couple of days ago, we talked about Pas Nochri. We talked about wine from a goy. This is about a goy cooking any dish for you that you cannot eat raw, that the goy cooks for you. You're not allowed to eat it. That's called Bishul Nochri. However, if you, it's already a third cooked before the goy cooks it completely, the din of Bishul Nachri doesn't apply. If it's already a third cooked, Kemaychol Ben Drusoy, that's enough. Tanya Chanan Yomar, Kosho Meichol Ben Drusoy, Mutter Lasho, so gave Kira. You're allowed to keep it on the oven. Even though the coals are still in there and it's possible to open the oven and stir it, there is no iser. Uh, there, there is no iser as far as that goes. But how can it be measured? Well, we know what the bendrusoy is, Effie. We know that uh, what's considered a third cooked. You can stick a fork in it. You're familiar with it. Um, let's just do a couple more lines and then we're going to stop. Lozer says the bottom has to be, has to be cooked. What does the bottom mean though? The way they used to cook bread was they used to stick it on the side of the oven. So there's the piece of the bread that's attached to the, to the wall of the oven, and then there's the bottom of it, it's closer to the fire, which is on the floor of the oven. When we say it needs to get processed, which are we talking about? The stuff that's, uh, the stuff that's open to the fire will get processed earlier cooked than the stuff that's sticking to the wall of the oven. What did a lozer mean? So the Gemara says, Toshma, Rebbe Lozer, Omar we're talking about the stuff that's stuck to the side of the oven, which takes a longer time. So you have to be makhbet to make sure the bread gets well done enough to stick it into the oven on Erev Shabbos.
Mishaushunas Apesach, my timer, Mishum Dibne Chabura's reasoning. Because when you're part of a Chabura that's eating carbon Pesach, you're not going to be, you're not going to work. We know you're eating Kachim, you're not going to be Machal Shabbos, even if you're not Kohanim. You're a bunch of Yisraelim. But this is special, it's unique. We know that you're not going to go over to the oven and try to, to, to push things along and generate more heat. You're going to let things cook and you're going to wait till the meat is ready. Chaburah's reasoning. Chaburim are zoriz, meaning they're careful and they're not going to be machal Shabbos. Allah <laughs> But if it's not, if it wouldn't be in the base of Mikdash or it wouldn't be Kachim, we would be worried. Didn't we say before, Gadya, when it's a, a young animal, you are worried about it. We say there's a psychological reason why you're not opening the oven, a physical reason, which is that you don't want it to get ruined. So it doesn't have to be a carbon Pesach. Any piece of meat like a carbon Pesach, which is a young goat, should be allowed. We said, Bain Sarek, Bain Lo Sarek, shop your dummy. You're allowed to put it in right before Shabbos because we don't think you're going to open the oven because you don't want it to get ruined because you don't want the 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 wind that arrives when the open 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 door opens to ruin the stuff that's cooking. Gemara says no over there. Hasamintach over there. The reason why the pieces will get ruined is because you took this young animal and you chopped it into little pieces and therefore they could get ruined by the wind. Hacha. But a full carbon Pesach, lo mintach, you don't chop it up in pieces. The carbon Pesach is all one piece. It's all shalem. You roast it whole. Therefore, it's resistant to the effects of the wind. And really, we would, should be worried about you trying to hurry things along and forgetting it Shabbos. But because you're involved in the holy act of getting your carbon Pesach ready, you're a chabura, you're zoriz. And therefore, we don't apply this normal takana that we applied to you on a normal Shabbos. Okay, so that's it for tonight. Um, we're on, we're in the Amid Bays of, uh, okay. so my question is, uh, I'm going to stop the, I'm going to stop the recording. Wow. Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode. 